3: Look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for
2: everyone.
4: This is the Lombardi Line, with
1: Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on (laughs) VCN.
5: We begin our number two of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. We're going to have uh, Will Hill, the king of New York, join us later on this hour, and also Jonathan Von Tobel talk about everything in the NBA, including some summer league. Uh, Michael Phil Mickelson just finished up his day. It was not a good day. Seven over no. par. Philip will be uh, going home for the weekend along with Tiger Woods. So two of the most, well, probably the preeminent golfers that we've had in the last twenty years will not be making the cut at St Andrews. And it, like you know, like we here in the United States, they a lot of Americans say Wimbledon, it's Wimbledon, right? We say St Andrews, it's St Andrews. Like they don't say T's over there, right? Yeah. They, I don't know what, what what it is they with the language, and they're going to tell us they invented the language. So I guess they right. have to be right. St. Andrews, so they don't say those T's very often, Uh, but we do have some surprise uh, possibilities of missing the cut right now. Justin Thomas, another American, is on the cut line at even par. Uh, We'll see if he can make it because he was another one of those short favorites coming in and again, right now, Cameron Smith still in the lead. Eight under he's got two holes to play. The road hole, the famous 17th hole there, which is the most difficult hole. And then 18 with the Valley of Sin there in the front of the green. But maybe one of the easier holes out there. So we'll figure out how he finishes out and get you some numbers uh, before we shut it down for the day. When you look at, at the NFL, you know better than most how hard it is to repeat in the NFL. And sometimes even just to get back to where you were. And I think the Mm -hmm. Bengals are going to find that out this year. Just how difficult. I'm not saying they can't get back to either winning their division and or getting back to the Super Bowl. But they did have a lot of things fall into place in order to get to that Super Bowl last year. When you look at the Bengals this year, Michael, what would be if they called you in and they said, Michael Lombardi, tell our team what they need to be thinking about in July to get them out of the mentality of January and February from just earlier in this year.
4: Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, and I just wrote this for com. It's up there online. And, and I, really the, the essence of the article is basically we all think Joe Burrow at at a young age is going to just automatically get back to a Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowls when the great Dan Marino at mm-hmm. age 23, you know, went to a Super Bowl in 1984, my first year in the National Football League. And. You know, his second and was unable to ever get back again. In fact, he went four seasons in the prime of his life from 1986 to 1990, where he didn't even make the playoffs with, by the way, David, with the winningest coach in NFL history on his sideline. (sighs) So that tells you how hard it is, right? And I think if you're Cincinnati, the question you have to ask yourself, were they lucky or were they really good? You know, at the bye week, they're five and four. And, you know, they just had destroyed – they just got destroyed by Cleveland 41-16. to 16. They lost to the Jets the week before. Now, they, weren't, they were hurt. They had a bunch of, of guys miss games. But, they, you know, they have not been themselves. So, when they come back from the break, they have two really impressive wins. They, they soundly beat Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. And then they turned the ball over the next two games against the, against Los Angeles, four turnovers. Then they turned it over against San Francisco twice, and they lose that game in overtime. But after that point, they only had two more turnovers for the rest of the season, wow. including the eight, the four playoff games. So they protected the football. Even though their offensive line was so bad, they protected the football. I, I think, to me, they'll be better because they've improved this offensive line. You know, they, they put Ted Karras at center. He played in New England. They get Alex Kappa, who played in Tampa Bay at right guard. They sign Collins from Dallas to play right tackle. That's This is a huge upgrade on their line. You know, they still have Carmen at left guard and Johnson at, at, at left – at Williams, excuse me, at left tackle. I think with Mixon and the skill players, they, they can be really good. Defensively, they kind of found themselves, you know, and they were able to rush the passer late in the season. Hendrickson was great. And look, they have one of the best closers in all of football. They have their version of Mariano Rivera in Evan McPherson. Guy made 14 straight field goals mm-hmm. in the playoffs. 14. <laughs> now, let's put things in perspective here. They only scored 30 they only scored 6 touchdowns in four playoff games. Wow, four. 6 touchdowns in four playoff games. So they were able to win a lot of close games because of his leg. And because they created nine turnovers in the playoffs and only gave the ball up twice. Now, we know the reason they did that is because Burrow took a lot of bad sacks. Mm-hmm. He took some really bad sacks at Tennessee that, you know, if the kicker wasn't great, he might have missed those. But he didn't. So I'm a little bit I, – I don't know where to go. I love Burrow. I love their skill players. I, I, I love the improvements they've made to their team this year. I don't love the coach as much, you know, don't put, don't put Perrine in there. It's no, but don't, don't, you know, you know, let that game slip away. And I'm with you. I think he's got to become a little bit of a different coach this year to really get them to focus and concentrate because it gets harder now that they've won.
5: It does. And this is such a perplexing thing for me this year. And I want to get back to your, your point about Joe Burrow and taking all those sacks in that game against Tennessee, that if they didn't have the closer McPherson, who was worth every you know, ounce of gold for that draft pick, what a great draft pick a year ago, you know, don't sleep on the special teams, and I always say take the points sometimes. They kind of live by that, that rule, and it got them all the way to a Super Bowl and very close to winning one. D- did Joe Burrow take those sacks, Michael, because he's trying to wait for things to open up down the field, or is it a part of he's got to see it quicker and get the ball out of his hands?
4: No, I think he sees it really clearly. I think he just took them because he didn't want to turn the ball over. And let's just revisit the Tennessee game. They scored 19 points, right? Mm -hmm. They scored one touchdown, and they kicked four field goals. A 38-yarder, a 45-yarder, a 54-yarder, and a (laughs) 52-yarder. I mean, think about that now. I mean, the 52-yarder with no time on the clock wins the game. They had no business, you know, if Tannehill wasn't as bad as he was. But I think he just decided, look, I'm not throwing the ball up for grabs. I'm just not going to do it. And, and I think that mentality, if it carries over into next year, where he protects the ball better, doesn't take as many chances, and lets his defense kind of win the day and, and settles for those kicks. I mean, if he misses 52-yarder, you know, 54-yarder, those are tough kicks In January, when the ball's colder and it doesn't travel as far, McPherson, to me, was their MVP for all the talk about Chase, for all the talk about Burrow. It it really was McPherson. Think about this, David. He only attempted 33 field goals during the season. He (laughs) attempted 44 during the postseason and it, give wow. them credit you know they they modified their team and what the defense did i think deserves you know deserves a ton of credit they they couldn't stop during the regular season they were a very good run defense they ranked 13th in yards per attempt teams didn't really try to run the ball on they only they were fifth in rushing yards allowed last year But when it came playoff time, they modified it, right? They knew their pass defense wasn't great. They were 26th in the league in yards allowed. Now, a lot of that's because they score points. They were 7th in the league in scoring. So they kind of shifted their emphasis towards playing more coverage, and they encouraged teams to run the ball until the Super Bowl. Until the Super Bowl, when they basically said, okay, we're, you know, 23 carries by the Rams for 46 yards is all you're going to get. I mean, that Super Bowl is a remarkable game in the fact that the Rams couldn't run it. They turned it over twice. The Bengals didn't turn it over, and yet the Rams still won.
5: It's an anomaly. It's not the way it normally goes statistically here. Twenty to one for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year, to win the AFC and get back there. Eleven to one to get back in that same position to repeat as champions. You get plus a dollar eighty-five to make the playoffs. You got to lay it a dollar forty if you think they're going to get back there. And if you think they're going to get ten or more, you got to lay a dollar twenty there. It is. It almost feels like the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Even though they were, we look at them as, as young coaches, certainly Sean McVay and Zach, Zach Taylor, they're kind of throwbacks in a way of they want to try to, to run the ball first and be physical defensively. So maybe not analytically what people are looking for in today's day and age, right? They go, why do the Bengals keep force feeding the run? You know, three yards in a cloud of dust. But it feels like that was their style to shorten games. Not turn it over. Rely on the on the star kicker, and yeah, maybe the margin of error. They're gonna they're gonna decrease their chances, right, in the probability equation here by not taking as many chances. But they're gonna play it closer to the vest. Can they do that again, Michael, in year two to potentially win the division for a second year in a row and make another deep run in the postseason?
4: Well, look, they average 27 points a game. And when you say they run it, yeah, they can run it. But they can throw it. They make a ton of big plays. Right. I mean, they're able to make explosive plays. And, you know, they've got the ball in the fourth quarter with 48 seconds left to go in the game, third and one. And they let Perrine go off tackle for no guards. Mm. That's the sin of all sins. Right? That's the sin. Because if they get that first down, they're going to have the ball at the Rams 48 right? 47 and 10 more yards. He's going to kick the, he's going to kick the game into overtime. Right. And yet he doesn't do it. And so they win it. So for me, I I think the reason that they have a good balance, they have great skill and they can make big plays. Let's not confuse it. They can make a lot of big plays. You know, they're able to get the ball down the field. I mean, Burrow is a remarkable. Think about this, David Burrow led the league in 70% completions. OK, Whew. which means the ball's getting out of his hand really quickly. Short passing game to offset this bad offensive line. But yet, but yet, in spite of that, he still averaged 8.9 yards per attempt.
5: <laughs> so he's making two
4: averages 6.7 yards per attempt. Mm right this guy's two point i mean that's a key stat in football so not only was he throwing it checking it down he was also making some big plays and his ability to find the targets was remarkable i mean it really was chase chase was at 63 percent when he threw it to chase he was going to catch it chase had 128 looks he had 81 catches he averaged 18 yards a catch
5: wow 12-1 to 1 for Joe Burrow, by the way, to the MVP this year, if you think he can take an even bigger step. But, again, people forget that rookie year in Washington, it, it all goes south of the ACL, and he's out. So he played about a half a year his rookie year. What a year, too, uh, for this kid. So it, and He's only going to get better, Dave. He's only going to get better. I mean, yeah. let's
4: face it. He's just coming into his – and they can protect him better. And even though they lost C.J. Uzma, the, mm-hmm. the tight end, they've got Hunter Henry. I mean, they've got uh, uh, Hayden Hirsch coming
5: in. They've got replacements, certainly. It looks like it's going to be such an intriguing division. Uh, can they back it up in the AFC North, plus $1.85, if you think they can do so? Come on back. Let's talk some more NFL right here in the Lombardi One on VEASAN, the sports Betting Network.
6: So, why wouldn't you go PaperTarian? I'll wait. Learn more at slash PaperTarian.
2: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one on one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
5: The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. So, today, you're going to get VEASAN's Daily Best Bets, including Adam Burke's Daily MLB Best Bets, NFL Preseason Coverage. It's just around the corner. Premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. So, if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a Daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it the cost is only $19. dollars to be a subscriber through July 31st. So, sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer back alongside michael lombardi i am dave ross this is the lombardi line michael i look up and i see cameron smith has gone through he just navigated the road hole the hardest hole on the golf course 17 yeah and he had like a little six footer for par of course he makes it when you've got dj a ticket on dj dustin johnson you hate rooting against golfers But well, michael can this guy make one mistake he's eight under par through 17 holes
4: well, you know, it's a li- golf's a little bit like though, David. I mean, it's a little bit like basketball, right? You get a guy, no matter how good he is, shooting really hot in the first half, he's gonna cool off a little bit, he right? Better. You know, I mean, he's. I mean, look, I'm not trying to jinx Cameron Smith. I love the country of Australia. I enjoyed my visit to Melbourne as much as anybody. I'm rooting for him as much as anyone, but he's gonna cool off a little bit, and the weather's gonna change this. This is all gonna kind of mm-hmm. well. This could be upset, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he birdies 18 coming in because 18 is a birdie hole. Absolutely. But- you know, he, if he gets it to 14, he hasn't run away from anybody, you know, because he still has a tough day ahead of him. And if you're Scotty Scheffler, you're going to, you know, drink a pint tonight, have a little <laughs> bit of, uh, you know, uh, of some of that shepherd's pie and get some rest and, and figure I got I got a chance at this. I mean, Rory's the guy who's got eight holes left to play that he could if he can get, get a little bit going here. Even if he just stays even par all the way through and ends up at eight, he's in perfect position.
5: Cameron Smith right now plus a dollar forty to win this golf tournament. Two full days to go, To to Michael's point. It's gonna be very different the next two days. It's certainly sleeping on the lead. He's gonna sleep on the lead. Rory's the second betting favorite at plus three sixty. Then Dustin Johnson at ten to one right now. Cameron Young, who's fallen back a little bit. He's ten to one as well. Scotty Scheffler, eleven to one. I'm with you, Michael. I look at that number and I go double digits on Scotty Shefford. And yeah, you're going to go, all right, he's probably going to end up here. What right now? He's five off the lead, probably six off the lead, six off the lead in two days. That's not too much to ask at a major championship. So if you want to get into those live markets, maybe that's a player you want to think about playing. No, by the way. Scotty Sheffer's is only the number one player right now currently in the world, so maybe not a bad uh, a flyer to take at 10-1. to 1. Uh, You always do something in the GM Shuffle that I find very, very intriguing, and as you've explained on the program before, when you, you try to find blue and red chip players, and that's how you get your biggest board, when you can identify guys that are blue chippers and red chippers, and whoever has the most of those guys is probably going to win more often than not. Uh, today I want to talk about the off-the-ball linebackers that didn't quite – make the cut to be either a blue or a red chipper, but pretty darn good in their own right. And one guy right off the top that I want to start with is Miles Jack. And this guy, of course, drafted by Jacksonville, and this is a guy who's had injury concerns. But boy, when healthy, it looks like a, a pretty interesting player. Start off with Miles and tell me how close he is to being a red or a blue chipper.
4: Well, I mean, Miles will always. Have, Miles would have been a, a a blue chipper under any circumstances. I mean, typically he's always been one of the best players on their team. You know, he can run. He's great. He makes you know he makes plays in the passing game. And when we're talking about off the ball linebackers, what we're talking about is guys that play behind the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. right? And, and Miles Jack can do that. He can he can cover. He can blitz. He can do all sorts of different things. Now, two years ago, he got that knee injury. And you know, that messed up his season in nineteen, so he missed five games. And so he's slowly kinda of coming back to that. But I think the guy is really athletic. I think he's going to really excel in Pittsburgh's new scheme. I really do. I think he'll excel in that scheme. The last two years, he's made over 100 combined tackles. I didn't think he was as effective last year for Jack. Their defense was not very well coordinated. Let's be honest here. You know, and he didn't make any plays in the passing game. He's only got three career interceptions, you know, and he only has 15 passes broken up over that time he's better at attacking but i think in Pittsburgh's scheme where they'll run him downhill a little bit he'll be part of the coverage he'll be part of the blitz i think he'll do really well i think his arrow at just 27 years old i think his arrow is going up
5: yeah four of the guys in that list and you starting off with jordan brooks in seattle uh cj mosley in the like. tell me about these other four on the board that you have and what separates them in your eyes
4: Well, I mean, Jordan Brooks led the National Football League in tackles last year, combined tackles. I mean, he was all over the place for them. Now, you know, look, you know, it's only his second year. He's an undersized linebacker. They drafted in the first round. Nobody thought he was first-round worthy, according to this. But, you know, I mean, he was involved with 184 collisions last year. He had five passes broken up. He was all over the field. You know, he had 10 tackles for losses. And he's a will backer. And he's going to improve. He's going to continue to make. Because what he's proven over time is the fact he can get people on the ground. That he can make tackles. He's an undersized guy, but he fits the mode of what he does today. Does he have to get better in pass coverage? Yeah, there's no doubt he has to get better in pass coverage. But to me, I think he gives them a great advantage. You know, C.J. Mosley is really one of the key components of the Salai defense. Now, they were horrible on defense, and he made a ton of tackles, but for Salai to run his defense, he needs a really good Mike linebacker, somebody to set the defense, and he needs four great ends. I think Mosley isn't quite ever going to get to the blue or the red category, but I think he's a good player, and he makes a lot of tackles. The white kid on he was last year he started 17 games for the chargers he's an undersized linebacker guy made a ton of tackles had two interceptions had seven quarterback hits you know he he's in the backfield quite a bit and he can cover you know he can cover this is what he does he's another one of those guys that was a safety he's a lot like the david long kid he, they both played at west virginia actually he's like david long who played at who played at uh, uh, who plays at Tennessee? Undersized but all over the field, making tackles, and I think he'll do a hell of a job for them. They paid him as good money. He was all over. His really it was natural position was safety. They're converting him into that down position, and it gives him a lot of athleticism. And, you know, I, and I think Al here, he was hurt last year a little bit. But when he played, his speed along with Warner really gave that 49 in front a lot of tr- a lot of plays.
5: Throughout the uh, rest of the, the weekend on our shows here, Michael, you're going to give out your blue chippers and your red chippers. So, again, these guys are close, but they just didn't quite cut the muster, but still some of the best off-the-ball They're, linebackers in the NFL.
4: Yeah, and so how do we define on the ball? Like, You know, you can list Khalil Mack as a linebacker. Really? He's a defensive rush, and he may drop occasionally. T.J. Watt is an on-the-line linebacker, right? The day of a linebacker lining up at the end of the line and playing over the tight end, a Sam linebacker, and then dropping into coverage, and then covering the tight end one-on-one or playing zone, those days are kind of few and far between. Mm. You know, everybody is no longer... Can you determine a linebacker 's worth by what formation he plays what by what down he plays on you must determine it by what 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 down what formation can he can stay on the field so if i 'm in eleven and i can 't really offer anything in terms of rush or coverage i 'm coming off the field if i 'm in twelve or thirteen or whatever it is, so the guys that are playing more are these guys like white former safeties the guys that are moved down have gotten themselves bigger and know how to play
5: it feels like kind of i don't know if it started with Brian Erlacher you know playing safety in college and then kind of going to that role as you mentioned these blown up safeties that can run right that's the idea michael you want to get yeah. off the ball but they've
4: got to gotta be but they got to be physical enough to handle so jamal adams is a blown up is a, is a linebacker right. right but he's not physical enough when he matches against these big tackles Right. Like what happens is when he goes against the tackle as a pass rusher, he gets eaten alive. Mm. He plays small. But when he goes against a running back, he plays big. So there's the balance. It's just not as simple as we'll make him a linebacker. It's not. And then you also have got to be able to how do they read and play with instincts when they're down in the box? Because now all of a sudden they have to see the game out of both eyes. They no longer see it out of just one eye. It becomes a different game.
5: Uh, very quickly, we've got about 90 seconds, Mike, but before we have to take a break. Will Hill is going to join us next. Brooks Kapka just had a little loop-de-loop on 18. Brooksy is not going to be around for the weekend as well. He finishes four over par uh, with that last hole there on 18. Uh, we do have now, Cameron Smith is in the house, I do believe, at 13. Under, he's got a small putt, of, of one-footer. He's not going to miss it, people. He hasn't missed one all day. He's going to go to the clubhouse lead here at 13 under par. And right now, that's good enough for three over Cameron Young. Rory McIlroy is going to be four back. I'm going to get some numbers for you before this show's over because this is happening as we speak right now. I'll be very curious to see where the betting market goes with a guy like Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler because you want to talk about a dream scenario where you've got big-time names to captivate your attention over the weekend, chasing down Cam Smith, who everybody knows is a great player. He's already won. He won the players this year. Maybe the best player to have that mythical title of not winning a major. But, Michael, it's not going to be easy with these big guns chasing them down.
4: No, it's not. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of it's going to come back on weather, right? I mean, what, what's going to happen with the weather? I think that's going to be critical.
5: They said it wasn't going to rain all weekend. They got a little rain, so they've already missed that one. They're already off the mark on that, saying we get no rain all weekend long. Got a little bit of that. I wonder if we'll get some more weather uh, coming in. When we come back, Will Hill, the king of New York, is going to join the program next on the Lombardi On. and the Sports Betting Network. Lombardi on I'm Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi and very quickly we mentioned Cameron Smith he did tap in to finish off a 64 his lowest round ever in a major championship, he is plus $1.40 to go ahead and win this championship in the next two days. Rory McIlroy is the betting pursuer right now at plus 360. He still has plenty of holes to play. He is at nine under par. Michael, we also have breaking news out of the NFL. This comes to us from Amy Dash with Audacity uh, Odyssey Sports, and she says this, breaking, the Houston Texans settle claims with 30 Deshaun Watson accusers. The evidence against the Texans was strong enough to likely make it to trial if they had not reached a settlement. So that doesn't necessarily clear Deshaun Watson. But I guess, Michael, that clears the Houston Texans. Is that, is that how you would read that?
4: Yeah, I think what this is, does is this uh, basically uh, whatever settlement they've reached, it lends the exposure they would have in terms of going to court. And I think this is ultimately what they decided to do. And they have to assume the responsibility. Uh, I don't know what's going to be in the settlement or how they were responsible for this. I think well, that, that those facts still need to come out. Mm. But I think ultimately the Houston Texans officially today with this settlement can put the Deshaun Watson saga behind them.
5: That's exactly right. And they can say, okay, Cleveland, now it's 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 on your hands we can kind of wash it clean with the, the 30 settlements they've reached today with those accusers. Uh, let's bring in Will Hill, of course, not the Will Hill on Twitter. You can follow him as I do. The King of New York joins us. Does a great job on the New York City cast each and every week. Uh, Will, great to have you back in the program, my friend. Very quickly before we turn to, the M, uh, to Major League Baseball for the day and get your thoughts there. How are you doing with, with the British Open, as we say over here, for the Open Championship over there?
3: Uh, I took a little Sam Burns. He uh, he had a nice run today. He got a, I I think five under, was mm-hmm. making a run. Then he a couple bogeys. I think he's at three under now. So probably not gonna hit. I usually just pick one guy, take a shot, and if I don't win, I just kind of move on. It's just more for fun. <laughs> if you win a win a few of them a year, you end up uh, doing okay. So I'll be watching. Maybe I'll jump in with something live. But uh was rooting for my guy Burns, who I got at fifty to one. I thought I had a decent shot and like I said, got to five under and just uh went backwards from
5: there yeah actually I think because well, I'm right there with you I had a small piece of Bernsey too got it to six under par and then that Ooh. terrible finish to get it all the way down to three so right now as we mentioned Cam Smith is the leader at 13 under par let's get to some of your major league baseball plays here and we'll stay in the uh, great city and state of New York there with the Metropolitans and the Yankees first of all as we get closer and closer the Mets just had that big series with the Braves how do you forecast them before they get to the all-star break
3: that was huge to win two out of three, especially with the pitching matchups and their injuries. They didn't have Marte. They didn't have McNeil. And I said before Monday, look, if they don't win Monday night with Scherzer pitching the matchups Tuesday and Wednesday were favorable for Atlanta. There's a chance Atlanta could sweep. and Maybe in first place Scherzer did what Scherzer does pitches a great game. I think he's really changed the culture of that team. They just, I think, you know, some Mets fans always feel like the sky is falling, but Scherzer has kind of reversed that where there's just some toughness to them. They face these losing streaks and they get through them on the other side Uh, to win two out of three in Atlanta was huge. Now look, uh, like we joke Atlanta, it seems like they play the Washington nationals every (laughs) single night, but uh, to be up three games here in the loss column is huge for the Mets. I think they're in pretty good shape, especially with DeGrom coming back sooner rather than later.
5: And let's stay right there in New York. Talk about the Yankees as they begin another series with the Red Sox. Last weekend, gentlemen, heartbreak hotel for the Yanks in a couple of those games up there in Beantown. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is going to take to the bump against uh, Nathan Evaldi for the Sox. How do you handicap uh, this one today, Will?
3: I don't really trust the Yankees. You know, they've come back to the pack a little bit. They've lost four out of five. And even the one they won against Cincinnati, it took kind of a miracle to come back and win. It took some really bad Reds defense. There's still some flaws on this team. You look at the record and you think it's a great team. There's no flaws. There certainly are with Gallo, with Kiner Falafa at shortstop who leads the league in errors and hasn't hit a home run yet. I think the starting pitching starting to come back down to the pack. Look, they're a really good team. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to win the division. Once you get to October, it's anybody's guess. But starting to see some warts here for the Yankees. I think they could use another relief pitcher. Uh, Castillo pitched last night for the Reds. Boy, he would help a lot of teams. The Dodgers, the Yankees, anybody would love to have Castillo. He's a hell of a pitcher. So <laughs> uh, nothing for me in this game. I would actually lean towards Boston taking the run in half. I think the Yankees have had a little bit of a, a rough patch here.
4: Well, I mean, the Yankees, 62 wins, right? I mean, their point differential is remarkable. Wouldn't you expect them to have a little bit of a law? I mean, you're not going to be painting this beautiful picture the whole time. As <laughs> Uncle Junior says, we're not shooting a Hollywood movie here. Like, you got to <laughs> slow down
3: hundred percent. Yeah, they're uh, they're due to come back to the pack. I mean, look, they're on pace to win 120 games. And you look at that roster. It's not a 120 win team. Nobody's a 121 team. So absolutely 100 percent. Right. It's a good point. They're due for some regression. I think we're getting it.
5: Uh, yeah, I love the Uncle June reference, by the way, Michael. Uh, let's take a look at some other games in the docket today. You mentioned that it always feels like the Braves are playing the Nationals. Braves are playing the Nationals Uh, Ian Anderson on the bump today on the road in D.C. against Patrick Corbin. Corbin, by the way, he'd kind of been you make your money against Patrick Corbin, but he's pitched better recently. Will, what do you make of the matchup today?
3: That's a low bar, Dave. That's a low bar. I mean, his last start out (laughs) was six innings, eight hits, four runs, and that's one of his better performances of the year. Yeah, Um, he used to be a really good pitcher. They gave him a lot of money, helped him win a World Series, but he's been a disaster. Uh, The Braves have a good lineup to me. You see Corbin. On the other side, you just pencil in the other team. I think this is a good bet for Atlanta. Uh, I did bet Atlanta here minus one hundred and sixty. I see a dollar sixty-five. I think that price is fine. So I like the Braves tonight.
4: But Will, what's the one thing that surprised you most so far about this baseball season? The Mariners having their great year. The the fact that you know the Yankees have been so. What's the one thing that stood out to you so far this season?
3: Baltimore, Baltimore was like a triple a team last year. And I think we all kind of knew they were two or three years away. Maybe next year, they'd be better. Maybe the year after, but it's come a year sooner than anybody could have expected. They were just so bad last year. I mean, they had a stretch last year. They lost like 18 or 20 in a row. It was all by two or three runs or more. I mean, they were just not even close to being competitive and they're legitimately pretty good. They're over 500. Now I think they've won nine or 10 in a row. They're actually, their bullpen's a lot better. Uh, Baltimore being this good, this competitive is actually uh, you know, pretty shocking when you look at it.
5: So what about today against the Rays? They're getting about a dollar fifteen right now is what we're seeing that uh, total about seven and a half. So again, not expecting a ton of runs. Do you have a, 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 a side or a total that you like here?
3: I don't have a play. Usually, with a streak, you just play on it till it yeah. ends. You don't want to be late to the party here, but I, I certainly don't want to get in front of this Orioles freight train, which is uh, it's a <laughs> weird thing to even say out
5: loud. Is is Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray playing today? I mean, what is happening in Charm City with these Orioles all of a sudden, gentlemen? I yeah, it is baffling. And I think also, I think we can put to bed which division in baseball is the best now. Will yeah. clearly, it's the AL East.
3: Yeah, it's sort of the opposite of the NFC East in football, where all the teams are usually bad. You know, sometimes you win it with seven or eight wins. It's the opposite. <laughs> AL East is just stacked top to bottom.
5: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, we've got a, a couple minutes to go here, Will, and I did want to get your thoughts on the NFL because I know you've looked ahead already to some, some week one matchups. But is there anything else already that you think now here that we sit in July might be a good play before we get to September?
1: Boy, we're
3: getting close boys. We're getting close. I bet the Colts under wins. I just think if you look at them, look at them a little closer, they got really lucky last year. Now 33 turnovers created. So 33 takeaways second in the league. Dallas had the most at 34 to me. They're not great on defense to me. Turnovers. There's a little bit of luck involved. It's not complete luck, but I don't think they're great on defense. I have to be honest. I think Matt Ryan is shot. I don't think he's the same player. I don't think he can get the ball down the field. Ah, uh, they added Gilmore at corner, but the rest of that secondary is a big question mark. So I look for Colts under wins. Uh, similarly, if somebody, if you know, you're betting against one team in that division, somebody else has to come up. I actually like over six and a half wins for the Jaguars. Same sort of thinking with the turnovers. The Jaguars, I couldn't even believe this. They forced nine turnovers on defense, nine takeaways. And I just like betting on these teams that had bad coaches the year before. We all know what a disaster Urban Meyer was. (laughs) And look, if Trevor Lawrence is 75, 80% as good as we all thought he was going to be, he's going to take a big leap. They're going to take a big leap. They get two games against the Texans. The Titans really don't have any wide receivers. Those games are winnable. They always play well against the Colts, especially uh, at home against the Colts. To me, the Jags can win eight or nine games and flirt with a playoff spot. I don't know if that's crazy or not. I'm curious what you think, Michael.
4: Well, I mean, I think, look, anything's up from there. If you just get any professional coaching, they'll be much better offensively. I mean, they'll have a scheme at least. And we know he's getting coached in Trevor Lawrence. And defensively, they were a disaster, a bond disasters the way they had Charlie Strong and all these other coaches, Joe Cullen coaching defense. It was a mess. You know, I don't agree with you on the Colts because I, I, I don't see Matt Ryan's arm shot i see matt ryan taking a lot of hits i see matt ryan getting the crap beat out of him. i watched the game in buffalo you know where they he actually leads them back they got a chance in buffalo get a bad call on the goal line but i think the colts because of the run game i think they're going to be better because eberflus is out of there and i think bradley along with with john fox are a better coaching so i could make your play with jacksonville I don't agree on the Colts. I think the Colts are still, with that run game and their ability to have a veteran at a quarterback, I, I think they can be pretty good.
5: The thing that surprises me, gentlemen, too, we're talking about the Colts here for a second, how long are they going to go with this kind of Phil Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson They're gonna Wentz? They're going to go until
4: they get one, David. You're going to go until you get one. I mean, unless you're in their shoes, it's easy for us to say, get one, but where is one? Which one? You know, they, they got to get one, right? They yeah. tried. I think – I think we, you just just keep throwing stuff against the wall until you hit. The
3: it's like Parcells said, you can't just call one eight hundred quarterback. We know we need a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. It's
4: not that easy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So That's... you're trying to massage it.
5: I've never heard that line before. One eight hundred quarterback. I absolutely love it. we uh, will appreciate it as always, my friend. Again, follow him on Twitter, everybody. At not thanks, the Will. Appreciate will. you, Will. See you guys, thanks. When we come back, JVT is going to come back with us. Michael break down everything in the NBA, what he's seen at summer league. Come on back, the Lombardi line. I'm Deason, the sports betting number. MGM, the King of Sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you're gonna earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Winning a trip to Vegas, come on out. Convert those BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, hotel rooms at over twenty MGM resort properties located in the Las Vegas trip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is Sports betting's premier loyalty program, featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager in the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM Rewards. Log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligible restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross and our producer, Stephen Bond. Right before I, we came out of break, Michael, he just said, Rory McIlroy for Eagle. I don't know if he made it or not. He did not, says Stephen Bond, but he has a would have had a chance to hop within two of the lead at the British Open over there. So we'll keep you updated as they conclude. I mean, that's
4: what we were taught. We talked about that earlier in the show. I didn't think Rory's number. Was going to get. I I mean, it was the the time to play. Rory was when he was when he was just two under on the day. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to. You're not going to get a good number on him
5: right now. No, he was as high as six to one. That's now it's four to one, and I'm seeing about two fifty in the betting market. So Rory making his move as we expected him to do. I'm going to welcome in uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, host of the Edge with Matt Humans daily here on Veasan. You can follow him as I do on Twitter at me JVT. And Jonathan, you know, people look at summer league sometimes. I don't know how much people actually glean what they see from summer league, but have you seen anything so far? Cause you guys are there each and every day. You got a great assignment and certainly a great perch of the action going on there. Can you take anything away from some of these teams in summer league and say, Hmm, I might now have a better sense of what I could see in the regular season.
1: No, I don't, I don't think it comes from like a team standpoint, Dave, like when you're looking at it from that standpoint, right? Like for example, the New York Knicks, uh, they are in first place right now. They're on, they were, they are in the driver's seat to make it to the championship game of the summer league. Uh, I am not then going into this season <laughs> going, man, Knicks, uh, they're going to come into this. It, it's more about evaluating individual players and, you know, keeping with the Knicks theme, right? if they don't ship off a guy like Quinton Grimes, for example, to go get Donovan Mitchell, which it does seem likely, but let's say they don't, I think you get a better sense of, hey, the depth for the New York Knicks might be a little bit better. Quentin Grimes looks really good. He's going into his second year. Like, There's little, tiny takeaways, but nothing that you're going to just a power rating over, nothing you're going to do with that. It's more about evaluating guys from an individual award standpoint, right? Some rookie of the year contenders are mm-hmm. starting to emerge there. And I think when you're going big picture, it, it does give you a sense of teams that are kind of on the come, right? The Oklahoma City Thunder have a really good and intriguing young core the Detroit Pistons have a really good and intriguing young core the Indiana Pacers have a good and intriguing backcourt so I think that's kind of what you're doing it's more big picture stuff or individual awards but it's nothing where I'm betting on team X to go over or under their win total based on the results of their squad in the summer league
4: JVT help me understand what the Indiana Pacers were trying to do by signing Aiton and then just 24, hours, less than 12 hours later, he's still a son. Like, do you think there's some deal between the Pacers and Aiton's agents that, hey, do me this solid? And, you know, and I know they're going to match it, but you turn. I'll make sure I take care of you down the road. Like, how does this explain this to me?
1: <laughs> you know, Michael, there could be. Uh, but we could also just be overlooking the fact that maybe the Indiana Pacers just really likes DeAndre Ayton. You know, I mentioned that their core, right? You have Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you have Chris Duarte. Benedict Mathurin is a really good in, um, in a summer league play. You've got a really intriguing core of guards that you're going to put on the floor next season. And uh, who compliments DeAndre Ayton best? Well, that would be really good guard play. And so I think if you're Indiana, who's looking to move off of Miles Turner, doesn't want him on that roster anymore, it does make some sense to to get a defensive-oriented big who's got some upside on offense that could really help your team and is then, right, uh, his floor is raised by the guard play that he's going to get potentially with the squad that you have. So maybe there is that direction um, and maybe you're right. Maybe there's something going on here. I will say, I think it was the Suns owner that can't me, Suns owner, uh, the Indiana Pacers owner who has come out and said, you know, he doesn't want to do those types of things to his fellow owners, right, in terms of putting them behind the eight ball, forcing their hand by signing Aiden to a max and then forcing the Suns to do the same. So I tend to think that the Pacers kind of looked at Aiden and said, hey, look, I mean. Look at all of us. We all read reports. We saw what happened at the end of that Maverick series. It seemed that the Suns were on the outs with DeAndre Ayton. Multiple reports said that they weren't going to come back together in terms of being on the same team. But yet here we are. And maybe the Indiana Pacers thought that the Suns weren't going to match on a max offer.
5: JVT, I wonder, too, because if we connect dots, because we all thought, right, Kevin Durant's definitely going to leave, and it looked like, oh, maybe Phoenix would be a landing spot here. They got the pieces to possibly trade back. Does this news of DeAndre Ayton going back to Phoenix, does that change any of that calculus?
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, it seems that the Suns would pretty much be off the board now at this point, Dave. So because he's a restricted free agent, there's a lot of things that happen. Uh, for example, he can't be traded until January 15th if they were going to trade him. He can veto any trade that he wants over the course of the next calendar year. Uh, he can't be traded to the Indiana Pacers who offered him that, that um uh, that uh, the qualifying offer, excuse me, um, within in a calendar year. So there's things there that change. So going back to what you're talking about, Ayton was presumed to be part of any sort of package. Well, since he can't be traded till January 15th, at least until January 15th, the Phoenix Suns are probably not trading for the for Kevin Durant. Which then means you spin this out and you look around and you go, well, the Miami Heat don't really have a package that mm-hmm. would be uh, worthy of Kevin Durant. Other teams kind of do, but like Toronto doesn't want to move. Scotty Barnes Maybe the Pelicans, uh, but at the end of the day, it is looking more and more likely that by the start of the regular season, Kevin Durant is still a Brooklyn Net. And I've talked to many people out of the summer league. I got to talk to Bobby Marks. I got to talk to Amino Hassan. I've talked to multiple uh, Gary Washburn over at the Boston Globe. And the sense that you get is just that, that because of the way these dominoes have fallen, when the regular season begins, the Brooklyn Nets are still going to have Kevin Durant on their roster.
4: And I don't disagree. I don't think they'll have Kyrie Irving. I was told today that the Lakers and the Nets have kind of come to some understanding The the Nets wanted to put it off till after summer league's over with, but it does sound like they will move Kyrie. What have you heard out there?
1: It, it seems maybe that's the case, Michael, from what I've understood. Uh, it sounds like the, the holdup is whether or not the, the Nets are going to get that second first round pick from the Lakers, right? They have yep. control. That's what, exactly two. what I heard. Yep. Yeah, 2027, 2029. If you're the Nets and you're like, look, we're giving you Kyrie Irving and we're taking back Russell Westbrook. And yes, we're probably going to unload Joe Harris on you too. And like we want a second round. We want a second first round pick. And that seems to be the holdup. But what's what's really fascinating is you read a report. I think it was the New York Post, Michael, that said now all of a sudden Kyrie Irving, oh, I, I'll play in Brooklyn. Oh. And I think that I think that Irving has kind of realized like, oh, wait, like, I'm not really viewed like Kevin Durant, right? Like, I'm not a hot commodity. I, 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 And this, I'm just you know speculating here. But, like, I'm a guy who has not played very many games over the last three seasons. I'm somewhat fickle with my availability and my commitment. Teams don't want to really ship off assets for me, especially on an expiring contract. And now all of a sudden, I think Kyrie see, sees a writing on the wall, sees that Kevin Durant might be sticking around in Brooklyn because he has to, And maybe when everything is said and done, it's still Kyrie and Kevin Durant, both on the Brooklyn Nets roster.
5: And this is what's so fascinating about this market now. They're 18-1 to now to win the championship next year, right? But,
4: David, that's why they're not moving it. They're not moving it because the book's smart enough to know that, look, we we didn't even talk about Donovan Mitchell and the the deal that supposedly the Knicks were putting in front of them, but they backed out. Uh, You know, like these deals, the Gobert deal, the Donovan Mitchell deal, which might get done, I don't know, but – I mean, who's got all these assets to pay for Durant? It's, it's, it's like, like, JVT said earlier, Toronto doesn't want to give up Scotty Barnes. They don't want to give up a young player for a guy who's going to play three or four more years.
1: Well, there is. And by the way, guys, there's a team that has the assets to do it, but it just doesn't make any sense. It's Oklahoma City, right? Oklahoma City has all the assets (laughs) in the world, but those two timelines don't jive in any way whatsoever. The the Thunder have a good young core. Kevin Durant doesn't want to play for a team that's not going to step a championship. Like, there's a team out there. It just doesn't make sense. Which brings us back to the original point and why he's kind of probably just stuck with Brooklyn.
5: Got about two minutes to go here, JVT. Very quickly to that end, I, I look at the futures market and I see that the Clippers kind of are the big movers now. It's 6-1 to, to win the championship right on the heels of the Celtics, who are the favorites at plus 550. As I'm seeing out there, the Warriors also 6-1. to one. The Suns right in that same vicinity. What do you make of the Clippers? John Wallace says, hey, nobody's going to check me. I mean, what do you make of the moves they've made so far in this offseason?
1: Dave, it's not a number worth investing at this point right now, but here on July 15th, for me, the Clippers are the best team in the NBA on paper. I don't think there's really any question about it. Uh, you know, when they went before they got hurt, you guys will remember, of course, before Kawhi Leonard got injured and I wrote a column for V that year. Uh, it was a big column about the Clippers are the best team. They are going to win the NBA finals and then Kawhi Leonard injures his knee. They still beat the Utah Jazz make it to the Western Conference finals that season with the depth that they have added. I think that that is the best team in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard is still one of the best players in the NBA that is going to be one of the best defenses in the NBA. They're going to be a great shooting team. They have everything you need to win a championship and they just got to be healthy and that's the big question. So not a number worth investing in, but if you're asking me right now, who the best team in the association is at this point, for me, it's the Los Angeles Clippers.
2: That's
4: fascinating. I, I don't disagree. And I thought it set up perfectly, really, for the Warriors, because, you know, Denver was injured, the Clippers were. I mean, I no. think you're right, JVT. I think it sets up perfectly for the Clippers. I think I think it was a funny year in the West, really.
5: It, it really yep. was. And, gentlemen, by the way, the Knicks are 70-1 to 1 to win the championship, but minus $1.55 to win the Summer League, JVT.
1: So yeah, they go. got him at 26 to 1 to win the summer league, so they better pull it off.
5: There you go. That's a much better number. Uh, Jonathan Von Tobel appreciate you. Uh, Matt Humans check him out on the edge live from Summer League Play. Uh, that's going to put, put a bow in this edition. Want to thank Wes Reynolds. I want to thank Will Hill and of course Jonathan Von Tobel for joining us. Michael, I can't wait for the weekend with you, my friend. This is going to be wild over there at the British Open and see how this all plays out. Thank you, David. See you tomorrow. Absolutely. There he is. Uh, Michael Lombardi, I'm Lombardi on the Homebarty on on in the sports betting number.
0: Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
4: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
5: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear
4: runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.